0: If you would tonight, go with me to Psalm 124. Psalm 124. Psalm 124 is in the middle of a section of Psalms that is often referred to as the Psalms of Ascent. And you can see in the superscription or the title of Psalm 124 that it is called a Song of Ascents, a a Psalm of David, and there's a group of these from Psalm 120 through about Psalm 132. And the word ascent comes from the idea of going upward, of ascending up a hill. And typically the way that these psalms are understood is that these would have been like pilgrim psalms, psalms of pilgrimage in which uh, the God God's people were traveling up to the city of Jerusalem in a procession, maybe around a festival such as uh, Passover or the Festival of Weeks or something like that. But it would have been a community procession and one in which the, the community as a whole were chanting or singing together these truths from the Psalms. In this particular Psalm, the main theme is that of hazard and help hazard in the sense of what we face as God's people, but what God has helped us overcome what God has delivered us from. And so Psalm 124, the psalmist says, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, when people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven. Earth. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we come before your word tonight and we desire, as your people, to join in song, to join in praise with your people of long ago, and with one voice to express to you our praise and our thanks for being our helper and our deliverer. God, I pray that you'd help us to meditate to think on the meaning of this psalm and what it teaches us about your goodness to us. Father, bless this time. May your spirit teach and apply your word. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. In his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson takes the entire collection of the Psalms of Ascent and dedicates one chapter to each of those Psalms of Ascent. And in his treatment of Psalm 124, he reminds us that all of life for God as a Christian is a pilgrimage. And so these are Psalms of pilgrimage of the people of God going up to Jerusalem. But for us as God's people, really all of life as a disciple of Christ, all of life as a Christian is a pilgrimage from where we are now to the holy city, to the heavenly Jerusalem. And he reminds us also from this psalm that all of life as a pilgrim of the Lord is dangerous. All of life as a pilgrim of the Lord, as a disciple of Christ, is dangerous and has its hazards, its difficulties, its trials. And so even though this psalm was set hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, in the time of David, its message rings true for us because we face dangers and toils and trials along the way. And so this psalm is for us just as much as it was for the people of Israel of long ago. Eugene Peterson says that living as a pilgrim for Christ is dangerous. And one of those dangers is living a life of faith in which we can't see God. We have no empirical evidence. We have, we have no, nothing to prove that God is here. We, we live by faith, don't we? We don't live by sight, we live by faith. He says, uh, we take uh, matters into our own hands, in, in, so to speak. It's a danger when we live by hope. Hope in a future that is unknown to us. That we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next year holds. We can't see the future, but we live in hope. He says it's dangerous to live as a pilgrim for God in this world and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love our enemies and to do good to them that treat us badly. Life as a pilgrim for God is dangerous. It is filled with threats and hazards, and so this psalm is for us. And the first thing that the psalmist does in verses one through five is he wants us to stop, take a moment to contemplate the thought. What if God had not been on our side? He just wants us to stop and take a moment to contemplate that thought. What if God had not been On our side. Now, don't misunderstand what the psalmist is doing here. The psalmist is not questioning whether God is on their side or not. The psalmist is not doubting God. The psalmist is not doubting God's love for them or God's faithfulness to them or God's care for them. What he is asking us to do in verses one and two is to think about the other side, to think about God's goodness from the other perspective of if the Lord had not been on our side. That's an amazing thought to consider, isn't it? What if God had not saved us? What if God had not rescued us? What if God were not for us, to use the language of Paul in Romans 8? That's a staggering thought to contemplate. It was a staggering thought for the psalmist, for David, in Psalm 124. He says in verse 1, If the Lord had not been on our side, and it's almost as if David says that by himself, and then that's not enough. He wants all of Israel to join him in saying this, in contemplating this. And so first he says it himself, If the Lord had not been on our side, then he says, Let all of Israel say, Everyone join in, everyone together, if the Lord had not been on our side. And so it takes emphasis, doesn't it, that he repeats it twice and he asks all of Israel to join in in considering this. If the Lord had not been on our side. Why would the psalmist want us to do this? Why would he want us to consider things from the other perspective? I think one reason might be that... He doesn't want us to take God's help for granted. He doesn't want us to take God's help for granted. And stopping to contemplate and to think about it from the other side, if God had not been on our side, this is what would have happened to us. It helps us to it helps us to remember, it helps us to to remind ourselves that we should not take God's help for granted. That we should not presume upon God's grace. The psalmist wanted Israel to contemplate what might have been without God in his aid. Don't take God's help for granted. Don't presume upon God's grace. Don't ever think that you somehow are worthy of it that somehow you deserve God's grace and that it would have inevitably found you anyway. God's grace and his help are not to be assumed or taken for granted. God's help is given by grace and love out of the goodness of his heart. It is not given because it is owed or earned. It should not be expected, but it should be rejoiced in. And so the psalmist, I think, in in asking us to think about it from the other side, he's wanting to make sure that we don't take God's help for granted. If the Lord had not been on our side, here's what would have happened. Without God's help, we would would have been defeated. We would have been devoured, he says in verse 3. When the people attacked us, and who is this? Well, if this is David writing this psalm, as the title of the psalm uh, states, some have said, well, maybe this was one of David's troubles that he had with the Philistines and all of David's interactions and battles with the Philistine army. And perhaps that is the case, but it doesn't specify. It just says enemies. When enemies attacked us, if God had not been with us, if God had not been on our side, here's what would have happened. They would have devoured us they would have eaten us alive. Verse three, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. Now he's talking about human enemies, but the imagery that he uses in verse three is that of like a huge dragon that in one gulp just swallows you up and gulp and you're gone. It's a powerful imagery, isn't it? And so what, the psalmist is looking at here is the possibility of God not being with us you know what the end result of that would have been we would have been gone swallowed whole swallowed alive we would have been devoured and then he uses another imagery in verse four without God's help we would be overwhelmed he uses the imagery of a flood in verse four the flood would have engulfed us The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. You can see this imagery from a couple of perspectives. One is just uh, from life in the ancient Near East. In the ancient Near Eastern world, in the land of Palestine, uh, it was a dry place. The ground was usually hard, not a lot of rain there. So when rain came, it moved quickly quickly through some of these wadis and and valleys and, and little creeks and crevices following the path that water does, following gravity, right? And when rain, especially in a torrential downpour, would come, there would be people who would find themselves in a flash flood very quickly and the water's literally engulfing them and washing over them. We can also look at this from the perspective of Exodus, when the people of Israel were trapped up against the Red Sea and the Egyptian army coming up behind them, if God had not been on their side, they would have either been devoured by the enemy behind them, right? Or they would have been engulfed in the waves in front of them. He says, if God had not been on our side, we would have been, we'd have drowned. We would have been engulfed over our heads in the waters. The raging waters would have swept us away, he says in verse 5. Without God's help, we would have been overwhelmed. Without God's help, we would have been lost, gone forever. We would have been swept away, never to be found again. Who were those Israelites again? I remember them from maybe, you know, I heard up stories about them a long time ago. They used to exist. Without God, we would have been gone A long time ago is what the psalmist is saying so in verses 1 through 5 take a moment and contemplate what if God had not been on our side think about it from our perspective now in the year 2019 what would your life be without God what would your life be without God what if God had not come into your life and given you his wisdom? What if God had not come into your life and rescued your soul? What if God had not come into your life and given you the presence of his spirit? What if God had not come into your life and given you the fellowship of believers, of brothers and sisters in Christ? What if God had not come into your life and given you the eternal hope that we have in Christ? That's not a pleasant thought, is it? And yet there are many, many people in the world today that that's their their outlook, that's their way of living, is there is no God, this life is meaningless, we evolved, survival of the fittest, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow, and we're forgotten and buried and returned to dirt, and that's it. And I can't help but think along with Paul that if that's what life is, then we're of all men most miserable. But there is a God. There is a God, there is a Savior, And what he asks us to contemplate in verses 1 through 5, praise God, is not reality. But God has, in fact, been on our side. God has been for us. God has delivered us. He has rescued us. And that's what he wants us to think about in verses 6 through 8. Is he wants us to take a moment to rejoice in the thought, our God is for us. So in verses 1 through 5, he wants the people to take a moment to contemplate what if God had not been for us. Now he wants them to take a moment and rejoice in the truth that God is for us. And because the Lord has helped us, he is worthy of praise. Verse 6, praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. Again, it's imagery, isn't it? It's imagery, it's, it's the image of being caught, tracked down and hunted and caught by a wild, ferocious animal, only to be devoured and destroyed. And he says, praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their, treat, their teeth. Now he's speaking in terms of what is. In verses one through five, he was looking to the past and thinking about what could have been if God had not been on their side. Now he's looking to reality. He's looking to the present and to the future. And he is expressing praise that God has delivered them. That God has been on their side and has been their help. In verse 7, the rescue of God comes in the imagery of an unbelievable, miraculous rescue. In verse 7, he gives the imagery of a bird who is caught in the fowler's snare. And this is a common imagery in the Old Testament, especially in Psalms and Proverbs. And being caught in the snare, a bird being caught in the snare, it's, it's one of the preeminent symbols of danger and, and hazard in all the scriptures. And here he says, we have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. In other words, we were caught. We were trapped. Our outlook was doom. And at the, almost as it, at the very last moment, the trap is broken. The, the rope is loosed. We are set free. It's an amazing, almost unimaginable, unbelievable deliverance. And you look back at Israel's history, and that's exactly what it was. It was an unimaginable, miraculous deliverance here they are trapped up against the Red Sea and an entire army of Pharaoh pursuing them. They were in the fowler's snare, weren't they? They were caught. There was no way out. And then at the very last moment, miraculous, unbelievable, the sea parts. And they go across on dry ground and then God drowns their enemies in that overwhelming flood after they are safe on the other side. At the very last moment when there was no other hope, the bird was released, set free. A miraculous, unbelievable rescue. How can God do this? How can God help us like this? How can God be faithful and help his people in all situations of life? Because he's the maker of heaven and earth. Verse eight, the psalmist calls upon God's people to express their confidence in God because of who he is. He says, our help is in the name of the Lord. And often in scripture, the name of the Lord is is closely associated with who he is, his, his character, his attributes, his presence. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who is that Lord? Who is our God? He is the maker of heaven and earth. So Psalm 124 is asking us as God's people to consider this. The God who made the entire universe and called it into being with the very word of his mouth, let there be and it was. That God is on our side. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? That's what he wants us to think about in Psalm 124. Now, we are going to face hazards along life's way, aren't we? And here I'm not even specifically thinking about physical hazards that all people encounter in this life. Everybody in this world, regardless of whether they're the people of God or not, are going to encounter sickness, accidents, death. All of that is a part of being human in this world what I'm thinking about are the hazards that particularly apply to God's people. And some of those hazards are internal in our own hearts and our own minds, our own temptations. Some of those hazards are out here in the world, the temptations and the snares that are out there against us. Some of those hazards take the form of opposition or persecution by unbelievers our life as a pilgrim of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be full of hazards. As Eugene Peterson says, it's hard to love your neighbor as yourself. Opening yourself up to that kind of selflessness makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? It makes you vulnerable. It makes you prone to being taken advantage of. If you are someone who is meek, as Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Well, here's what will happen a lot of times in this world. You will get stepped on. There is danger in following the Lord in his path. There are hazards, but the Lord will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And here's the thing about what David is saying here about Israel. It's not that they never went through any hazards. It's never that they went through any, never went through any difficulties. They did, didn't they? They faced difficulties. They faced trials. They faced enemies. But here's the thing. God was with them and he delivered them through them. Not necessarily from them, but through them. There's a difference, isn't there? God doesn't say that our life is going to be perfect. No bumps, no curves, no thorns, thistles, Our life is going to be difficult, especially as the people of God. Jesus says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Don't be surprised if Satan puts out an onslaught of temptation against you. Don't be surprised at these things. And God did never promise us that he's going to take us out of the world and deliver us from those things, at least not yet. For the time being, God has left us in the world. But he prayed for us to not be of the world. And so life in this world is going to be full of hazards and dangers. But God is going to bring us through them. Because he is our help. He is our defense. As John Newton wrote some 250 years ago, through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. That's true, isn't it? Talking about amazing grace, the amazing grace of God. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. Twas grace that has brought us safe thus far. And what is the rest of the line? Grace will lead us home. God's help will carry us through. So the main idea of Psalm 124 is we live in a world full of dangers and snares, but we have a God who is our faithful helper, and he will never abandon us. We live in a world that is full of dangers and snares, but we have a God who is our faithful helper, and he will never abandon us. What God has started, he will finish. What does Paul say in Romans 8? There is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing. And he lists all kinds of hazards, doesn't he? Famine or nakedness or peril or sword. He says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There's nothing in all of creation, not in height or depth, present or future, nothing that can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We're going to face hazards and snares, but our God is faithful and he will help us and he will see us through to the end. Praise be to our God. Let's trust in him, have confidence in him, even in those moments when we're facing difficulties and dangers because our God is our helper. Let's bow in prayer together. Our father, we thank you that you are the God who gives help to your children. In the midst of this world and the difficulties that we encounter, the trials that we'll face, the enemies of the gospel that we may encounter, God, we're thankful that you are with us. We're thankful that we have the encouragement and the promises of your word. We're thankful that we have the abiding presence of your spirit. We're thankful that we have your help. So God, give us courage, give us boldness, give us confidence and trust, not in ourselves, but in you, in your strength, in your grace, in your promises. Father, take your word that we have meditated on tonight and cause us to think on it to continue to meditate on it and to remember it in those times when we need to trust you. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.